Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, y'all? It's J.D. Pickell with Thon3. Welcome to The Hard Count. We are the people's show. This is everything that you know and that you love about college football. It happens here on a daily basis. Nick Brake does the heavy lifting. You can help drive the show by subscribing to the channel. Folks, there is no other way to say this. It is go time. This time next week at 7 Eastern, 6 Central at Sunday, we're going to be talking about what Nebraska did in Ireland against Northwestern. We're going to be talking about the backyard brawl in a matter of days from that upcoming Sunday. On that coming Thursday, it is football time. So there is no more time to be wasted. There is no more missing shows. There is no more. I'll get to it later. No, we have to band together now more than ever to attack this college football season. We had a saying when I was playing college ball, attack mode. You embrace it. You get after it. And you do it with your teammates. I like to think we're something of teammates. So with all that to be said, we got a great show lined up for you tonight. Going to talk a little bit about Ohio State. Our folks at Letterman Row got some great intel for us for all things fall camp. Going to get into that. Going to talk about Oklahoma's offense and what we can expect from them in terms of a complimentary play style. Also going to talk about the Sunshine State. Florida State, Florida, Miami. Who's poised for the best 2022 campaign? But first, we got to talk about the news in Austin. Quinn Ewers, as of Friday evening, Friday afternoon, I suppose it was, was named the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. He is now QB1 in Austin. Now, this is, in some way, shape, or form, a surprise to a lot of the people that covered Texas. A lot of people had said, okay, Hudson Card has had the best Showing in fall camp. Looks like he's in the most command of the offense. He's the most developed. He's going into his third year as a quarterback at the college level. Like he's the guy that can get Texas to the most stable place. So Quinn Ewers being named the starting quarterback, if we're going to assume those reports are true, which I don't think anyone's trying to pull a fast one on anybody, we have to look at what this means and what Steve Sarkeesian ultimately made this decision based on. To me, this says Steve Sarkeesian is betting on Quinn Ewers' potential. That's not to say Quinn Ewers isn't ready to play or he's not developed enough or anything like that. Quinn Ewers has the highest ceiling of any of the quarterbacks on this roster. If you remember correctly, he was supposed to be graduating high school this time last year. He was supposed to just have finished up his senior season, probably enrolled in December, but if he didn't, he would have enjoyed his spring, his senior spring, had his senioritis, got into Texas, got into fall camp. So he's still figuring out what it's like to be a college quarterback. He had a year in Columbus, more or less, and then he gets to Texas in the spring, and now he's named the starting quarterback. And so with all of the offensive weapons that they have at Texas, outside of B. John Robinson, I know Isaiah Naylor went down, you still have got guys on this offense that need to see the football. 
And so Quinn Ewers being named the starting quarterback to me says he gives us the best chance to have an explosive offense. Now, here's one thing I'm really looking at. What happens when the boat gets rocked? Say week two, Alabama comes to town. It's about 110 degrees at game time. What happens if Alabama does what they are assumed going to do, according to Las Vegas? Let's say Alabama wins that game by two scores. Do you have the steady hand? Do you stick with Quinn Ewers? I'm not implying that they won't. I'm just saying I'm excited to see that. Because you know how I feel about this. Whether it was Hudson Card or whether it was Quinn Ewers, whoever was your quarterback that you named going into this season, you stick with him. You don't cause him to look over his shoulder and say, okay, are they going to play the other guy if I make a bad decision? If I throw a pick here, am I going to get pulled? You allow him to grow. You allow him to go through those growing pains. And you take the good with the bad and say, we're going to ride with you. Till the wheels fall off, we are riding with you. And so that needs to be the approach for Quinn Ewers in this coming year. And it sounds like that was what they were going to do to begin with. Steve Sarkeesian, to my understanding, had said, whoever's our guy, they're going to get all the first team reps. And that wasn't necessarily the case a season ago because Hudson Card looked good in game one, but you also saw Casey Thompson in the game one. And then Boat gets rocked against Arkansas. Hudson Card ultimately gets pulled. Casey Thompson becomes the guy. So Steve Sarkeesian sounds like he wants to steer more clear of that. But to Quinn Ewer's credit, he got to this program in the spring. Sounds like evidently he picked the offense up quickly enough and is now going to be the starting quarterback in Austin. And to be fair, if he hadn't named Quinn Ewer's the starting quarterback, I don't know what would have gone on in Austin in terms of that fan base. Because we've said it here before, Quinn Ewer's, didn't come to Austin to hold a clipboard. He didn't come there to signal in the plays. He came there to throw that football. He came in to be your starting quarterback. And so for Steve Sarkeesian to say, yep, this is our guy. This is the direction we're going. Hudson, thank you for all you've done for our program. Let's roll. I mean, it's a, it's a tough call to make because you have two good options. But the fact that Hudson Card even pushed Quinn Ewers to this point should give you some confidence. Because like I said, a lot of the reports were, hey, Hudson Card maybe even looks better in fall camp when it comes to seven on seven and some of the scrimmages. Hudson Card has put a really strong sample size forward. To still pick Quinn Ewers after all of the positive things they've said about Hudson Card, your response could be, Sark's just playing the big name. Sark's just playing the, the guy that's going to keep the fan base happy. That could be your approach. I happen to believe that Steve Sarkeesian probably has a better gauge for his football program than some of these outside people talking about what they want to see on Saturday. For Steve Sarkeesian to say, no, Hudson Card pushed Quinn Ewers, yes, but Quinn Ewers still gives us the best chance to win this, this season. He gives us the best chance to be successful going forward. Tells you all you need to know about Quinn Ewers. Tells you all you need to know about Steve Sarkeesian. Ultimately, I think Texas fans got what they want in Quinn Ewers being named quarterback one. I'm excited to see this offense. I really am. So much arm talent, so much ability. Can they protect him and can they support him with the run game and with these other weapons around him? Can they still have guys step up, whether a Jai Hall ends up coming back before game one or not? And can Brennan Thompson step up and things like that? Can they support him well enough to give him a chance to continue to develop? Because if it's all on Quinn Ewers, you got problems. I don't expect that to be the case. 
I don't think that'll be how it goes in Austin this coming season, but there needs to be a supporting cast that steps up and lives up to their billing. B. John Robinson's going to do his thing. Don't worry about that. Xavier Worthy's going to do his thing. Don't worry about that. Outside of those two guys, do other guys step up and allow them to be versatile in offense? That's what needs to happen in Austin. So again, Quinn Ewers is your starting quarterback. He is QB1 in Austin. I can't wait to see it. Another school that is in fall camp right now, which doesn't really narrow down the list, but Ohio State. Talk to our guys at Letterman Row, Spencer Holbrook. If you haven't followed him yet on Twitter, I encourage you to do so. If you haven't checked out his work on Letterman Row, I also encourage you to do so. Guy is an enormous help to me every single time I ask for some insight as to what's going on down there in Columbus. But gave me some bullet points as to what's going on at fall camp. Because if you remember correctly, Ohio State a season ago, we'll call it what it was. They had a failure of a season. Now... To make sure we specify, the standard at Ohio State is very different than it is at other places. You win a Rose Bowl and you win double-digit football games. Anywhere else in the country, they're saying, yes, that's what we need to see. Now, now we're one of the elite programs. Like A lot of teams would ship half their team off of the practice field. They would give away half their team to have that kind of season. Not so at Ohio State. They're saying that was a failure for us. We are not okay with that. The standard is beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, win a natty. We went 0 for 3 last year, so we're not cool with that. So fall camp, the buzz has been locked in. We'll get to more of that in a second, but one of the biggest bullet points he gave me, one of the pieces that he was most emphatic about when we talked on the phone was, hey, listen, man. C.J. Stroud, yeah, I know he was good last year, put up really good numbers last year. He's taking the next step. Talked about how C.J. Stroud is saying he's faster than he's ever been. Took the weight room really seriously in the offseason. He's bulked up to 220 pounds. He said he just looks like an NFL quarterback. So for his second year starting, that's huge. And that, that was sort of my knock knock sounds like the wrong word to use but that was sort of my question mark about cj stroud heading into this year was there were times last year where he looked like a first year starter didn't reflect it in the stat sheet but there were games where i was like huh i don't know that that he's necessarily bought into his own hype yet and maybe you need to do that a little bit and i think for cj stroud to take that next step as a leader as a quarterback going from we say it all the time going from being the quarterback to being the guy is very different in the way that you lead your football team. And by all accounts, Spencer told me he's locked in. He looks better than he ever has physically. And he is sharp. Like he is commanding this team. He is one of the leaders of this football team. Scary news for everybody else in the Big Ten. Also, the question mark for, I think, the multitude of national outlets was, what's this defense going to look like? Because they feel like in Columbus, hey, we had a national championship offense that we wasted because we couldn't get it done on defense. Got a lot of guys coming back. Even though you lost two first-round draft picks wide receiver, got a lot of guys coming back to where we can't waste this offense. So defensively, what is this going to look like? You go out and get the mad scientist of college football defenses and Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. It's a Cornell guy worth mentioning. They're really excited about what he's going to bring to the table. And so far in fall camp, that excitement has been felt from this defense. And this is not to knock the previous regime. However, there wasn't that same sentiment when it came to 
practice on defense last year. It was, hey, we just got to put our head down and go to work. We got to get this done. We got to do what we got to do. And that attitude in itself is a good thing. Like to be task oriented is good, but there's a buzz and an excitement about playing in this defense. Guys are chomping at the bit. You say, why is that? Well, one, it's multiple. They're going to give a lot of these guys a chance to do a lot of different things, and they're going to be aggressive. We talk about it all the time. Being the hammer and not the nail. That's what Ohio State's going to do on defense. That's what they're excited about. They're going to actually go on offense with what they do defensively. Dialing up pressures. Giving guys a chance to play more man coverage. It's going to be a, an exciting defense to watch, if nothing else, at Ohio State. And we did a video on it already, but Ryan Day said, we expect a top 10 defense at Ohio State. Jim Knowles was asked about that. He said, I don't know why he didn't say top five. They asked some of the players about it. They said, we just want to be the best defense in the country, period. So the standard is set very high at Ohio State. And the cupboard is stocked with elite personnel to get it done. I mean, littered with four and five stars. So they have every reason as to why they can be successful. But the defense is what a lot of juice is around in the fall camp. And Larry Johnson, defensive line coach, who's put guys in the NFL like it's his job, I guess kind of is his job. But he basically said, we got 12 dudes on this defensive line that can play. We are 12 deep. That is scary. When you can rotate defensive linemen like that and not have a drop-off in level of play folks this game is one in the trenches and last year it was very evident against Michigan Ohio State wasn't necessarily up to par at times and so for them to take a big step forward there to have more depth to have an improvement there and to have more pride in that that's a big deal so a lot of excitement there Spencer also told me hey there were times during fall camp too where we saw this defense winning reps and you say, okay, well, that's fall camp. You're still sort of getting your legs under you. The offense is still sort of figuring out uh, how they're going to operate. It's, you're knocking the rust off from spring ball to fall camp and all that. But that means a lot more coming out of Columbus because you know how good this Ohio State offense is. So for this Ohio State defense to be making it a battle and to push this offense to win some reps defensively, that should tell you, okay, we're starting to get some momentum here. And that's the way this staff talks about it. They're extremely confident, similar to the 2019 season where they were talking about how good Chase Young was going to be and how this defense was going to look. It's kind of the same attitude saying, just wait and see. You get us all these questions. There's all these opinions about us nationwide, but you'll see when they put the ball down in play, when we teed up against Notre Dame, you're going to see. And that's kind of the edge that is floating around practice right now. There's a lot of guys that are excited about. Josh Proctor, one of the safeties, a guy who was hurt last year in the Oregon game. Uh, they think he can be someone who contributes in a big way this coming year. He's a guy that they're really excited about, uh, is a name to watch. They are going to ask a lot of the safeties this coming year. And so Josh Proctor, they think, is a guy that can finally put it together in terms of being healthy and being productive. So a guy to know there. Also Mike Hall in the defensive line, a guy they're excited about. But all that's to say, they have these guys that are ready to prove it on the field. And that's the edge. We talked about it at the beginning of this segment. The edge that Ohio State feels heading into this year is not the same as a program. It doesn't reflect a program that just won the Rose Bowl. Like I said, they feel like they, fa they failed a season ago. They have a bad taste in their mouth and they're ready to get it out. That's a scary thing for everybody else in the college football world. To be as talented as you are at Ohio State and to still feel like you have something to prove, 
That was their, that was their mission this offseason. They were locked in. Hey, we failed last year. Similar to how they failed Alabama. We failed last year. And Ohio State made it an effort in the offseason, in the weight room, in practice, in their tempo, in their sense of urgency. We have unfinished business. we got to go out and complete the mission. So Ohio State, a team that I have in my college football playoff, I would imagine you probably have in your college football playoff unless you're living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. But all that's to say, very excited about them. And it sounds like a lot of good things coming out of fall camp. A lot of guys they're excited about and everything trending in the right direction. The defense looks solid. Ohio State's going to be fun to watch this year. So moving on to some questions we got from our Twitter. Well, my Twitter, I guess. My Twitter page. Put out a, a tweet and said, we want to feature y'all as much as possible. Let me know your questions to potentially talk about on the hard count. And that's going to be the method we use going forward. Probably be, depending on the podcast feed as well, really leaning on that. Like I said, if we get a five-star review and a question, we're going to do our best to get to those. So again, five-star review, question. It's how we can have segments like this. So we got a tweet from Sulfur Sooner. And he says, do you see the revamped offense actually being complimentary at Oklahoma? And I think the concern there, if I'm reading between the lines, what the question is, is this offense is going to run a lot of plays. It's going to be very high tempo. It's going to be pedal to the metal, rock and roll, a lot of plays. That's a good thing as long as you're converting first downs. Because if you go three and out in a matter of 10 seconds, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, stopped on third down, well, guess what? The defense, who was just out there a few minutes ago, barely got the chance to sit down and look at the previous drive and get some water before they're back out on the field. So it doesn't complement the defense if your offense can't get anything done. And it's a little bit more of a delicate balance because of how many plays you run and how quickly you go. It leaves you a little bit exposed to ultimately get your defense worn out. And that's kind of what complementary means ultimately is essentially does the offense cater to making the defense better in this scenario? And to answer your question, Sulfur Sooner, yes, I believe it does. And here's why. Oklahoma is going to make it a priority to run the ball early and often. So even if they're getting stopped on third down and they go three and out, I would venture to say more often than not, one and a half to two of those plays will be run. So they're going to take time off the clock in that way. Even if they're getting to the line real quick, clock's still ticking. In addition to that, Dylan Gabriel is a really efficient passer for his career. He's like 62% completion percentage. Reunited with Jeff Levy, I know we've talked about that at nauseum, but he's very efficient with his passes. So one that tells you the ball's going to the right place, he's accurate, but the ball is getting completed a lot, which again means chains keep moving at the very least the clock keeps running so you're not having these scenarios quite as frequently where you're throwing it out to your guy and it's incomplete and no time's off the clock and the defense is now again dog tired got to go back out there so that's something that I would look at in addition going back to what they're going to do running the ball they feel real good about this running back room Eric Gray I would expect to be RB1 I think they'll probably have some guys they mix in as well I think it'll be a little bit more by committee they are raving about DeMarco Murray down there. They love what he's done with his running back room. They love how he's coached them up. They feel good about what they have there depth-wise. So ultimately, what it comes down to is if you score as an offense, you put pressure on the opposition. You're saying no, duh. Well, in terms of complementary football, 
how do you think the opposing offense is calling it if they're down 17-0 in the second quarter? Maybe you start to press. Maybe you start to feel a little more sense of urgency. You get out of your own game plan, and you're now operating at a level that you don't really want to operate at. You can't just call the normal offense that you would call because you got to get points. Because guess what? Oklahoma's going a mile a minute, and they're scoring a lot of points, and they're putting the pressure on you to match them. And so when you get out of your comfort zone as an offense, it allows the defense to be a little bit more creative and to play more free and to ultimately know what's going to come their way. They know that, hey, they got to score points. They may be throwing the ball more this down. They got to score points. Make sure nothing behind us. Because if they just want to stay in their own, you know, consistent, you know, offense that that they would usually run, if it's 0-0, well, then you're running the risk of Oklahoma running out of the building. You can't trade a three every other drive for 14 points. Doesn't work that way. That's how you get blown out of game. So I very, very strongly believe this offense will be complementary to the defense. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work fast. That's why I feel so good about Oklahoma. Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel, I have said it once and a thousand times on the show, it's going to be a quick marriage. I think it does uh, wonders for Oklahoma, and I think you see that trickle over to the offense, or excuse me, from the offense to the defense. It's going to be a good thing in Norman. So Sulphur Sweeney not to worry. Another question we got, and this is one of the best Twitter names out there, at Jigmatic, who will have a better season of the big three? He's referring to, of course, Miami, Florida, and Florida State. So in the Sunshine State, who has the best 2022? Now I want to make it very clear. The answer to this question may be, how do I say this? In 2022, Miami, Florida, and Florida State, whoever has the best season in 2022, it may not look the same in four years. So the answer to 2022 does not necessarily mean the same thing for 2025. Now, the reason why that's important to say, you have two of these three schools that have a first-year head coach in Florida and in Miami, and Florida State, Mike Norvell, in my humble opinion, needs to win now. He needs to show something. He needs to show some ROI to that administration. So we're going to go down the list here, talk about each program, and give you my answer at the end of this segment as to who will have the best 2022. So for Miami... New coach Amara Cristobal, like we talked about. You have a borderline elite quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. So right off the bat, you have two of the most critical factors in success in the game of football, college or pro, checked. Because I believe in Mario Cristobal. If you don't, it's a whole other conversation, but I do. I think he's got them headed the right direction. I think you take on his persona of don't flinch and no nonsense, and high intensity and urgency, just all the things that equate to a successful program, I think Mario Cristobal is made of those ingredients. So my question marks is, is the defense, excuse me, is the defense really revamped? Because a season ago, they allowed around 30 points a game. It is really hard, no matter how good your quarterback is, it is really hard to be successful week in and week out if you're allowing 30 points a game. And the schedule is not kind to Miami. They go to A&M, they go to Clemson. Right off the bat, two games that are going to be tough to play in if you're allowing 30 points a game. And that's me saying I believe in Tyler Van Dyke. In addition to that, your wide receiver, excuse me, your wide receiver one, Keyshawn Smith, he's a guy that you are asking to step up and you're replacing a Charleston Rambo. So somebody, if it's not him, it's got to be somebody else on this roster that adds an element of taking the top off the defense. Running back room is deep, but can they hold up 
enough of the physicality on the defensive side and can they have explosiveness on the offensive side to get to where they want to go for florida florida gators down there in gainesville mr scared money don't make no money billy napier he is coming into a program where he is similar to miami and mario cristobal he is doing a 180 in terms of the way they approach things he is recruiting really hard and a lot of this hinges for Miami, excuse me, for Florida, Miami as well, I guess you could say. But for Florida, they have a less proven commodity in Anthony Richardson. He needs to be everything that he is advertised to be for Florida. Because there's a lot of excitement around his physical tools and the reports out of fall camp and spring have been glowing. He is 100% their guy, adds so much on the ground, has a really strong arm. Reports are he's been dialed in. But Florida's entire season hinges on what he can do for them. They're going to ask a lot of him. It's no secret. Billy Napier's made it clear the offense will go as Anthony Richardson goes. And in year one, he needs to ball out for them to be successful and for them to be the answer to this question. I'm confident in the personnel that they have on defense, but there needs to be a sense of urgency with stopping the run. Because they're great rushing the passer, but you got Jervon Dexter in the middle. Outside of that, I don't know who's going to stop the run for you. They didn't do a great job of it last year. Over 150 yards a game, I believe it was. They weren't great stopping the run. In the SEC, in the game of football in general, but especially in the SEC, you have to play the trenches well. You have to be a force in the trenches. Because guess what? Georgia's in your conference. Alabama's in your conference. Arkansas's in your conference. People throughout the SEC are going to lean on you. If you're Florida or someone else, you're going to get leaned on up front if you can't take care of business in the middle. So the depth there concerns me a little bit, but otherwise the personnel is really solid. Brenton Cox, Ventrell Miller. There's a lot of guys that are excited about. Devin Moore on the outside is a, is a guy that we have on our preseason true freshman All-American team. So the personnel is there, but how much do you get on that side? Going back to the offense, similar to Miami, do you have a wide receiver one that's going to step up and be a threat for you? They got a lot of guys that they feel good about in-house, but a lot of guys that are unproven. Now, Ricky Pearsall has earned the number one jersey. He was a transfer from Arizona State, now finding himself at Florida. And he is a guy that they have raved about in the short time he's been in Gainesville. So again, if AR can be the guy, if AR can get him the football, if AR can be the playmaker they're expecting him to be, Florida's got a chance to be really, really good because they got enough on defense, especially if they can plug up that middle a little better. They got enough on defense to where, okay, this offense can roll. Depth of the running back spot as well with Montreal Johnson, a transfer from Louisiana they're excited about. They're probably three or four deep in that room. They can roll if they get what they need from Anthony Richardson. So that's Florida. Now, Florida State I'm going to spend a little bit less time on, and that's not to knock the Knowles. They're just a different situation. To me, it comes down to personnel. Because Mike Norvell, it's been very, very clear he needs to win this year. Five and seven last year in 2021. It's not going to cut it. They need to see some ROI. Now, he hasn't had a perfect set of circumstances. Jordan Travis is the guy that they're excited about at quarterback. That's been good reports for him. What do you have up front on the offensive line? Is the way that you retooled your program via the transfer portal, is that effective? Do you have the personnel to win seven or eight games? That's what it comes down to for me. Paired with that is the Jordan Travis 
concerns because 15 touchdowns, six interceptions a year ago. I know he wasn't getting all the snaps last year with Mackenzie Milton getting some time. Is Jordan Travis the answer at quarterback? I pause for dramatic effect to allow you the chance to answer. Is he your answer at quarterback to win you seven or eight games? I still have my reservations. We're going to see. A guy that I am excited about out of Florida State, Micah Pittman, transferred from Oregon. They've been pleased with him and his development in fall camp. A guy that started off a little bit slower, and Mike Novell said he's been, he uh, had some practices early on that weren't up to his standards. Speaking to Micah Pittman has a high standard for himself, but I think he's going to be a guy that is someone who infuses some excitement and some explosive playability into that offense. So we'll see what happens, but ultimately I think for Florida State, the personnel is not yet there to where I think they're going to be a force in the Sunshine State. I root for Mike Norvell. I think he's a great coach, a great offensive mind. We saw what he did at Memphis, but I don't know that you have what you need at quarterback, even if they're excited about what they have with him at quarterback from fall camp reports. I still have my reservations. I hope I'm wrong, but we're going to see. So then this becomes a matter of, okay, do you like Miami or do you like Florida for 2022? This is not a cop-out, but I have picked both of these programs to finish 9-3. and three. And to some extent, you're saying, okay, you're picking games in August that are going to happen past mid-October. We're all guessing at that point, right? Like, there's no real logic that can be applied to a game that's going to happen November, second week of November, third week of November. Like, we're all sort of guessing at that point, right? But the way that this could shake out, the way that this could ultimately evolve is... You know, I think both programs can win nine games. I'll just, I'll just say it. A lot of it, though, does hinge on AR for Florida, whereas I think they have more that I'm certain about at Miami on the offensive side of the ball at the very least. Because Anthony Richardson, to be fair, we've seen a smaller sample size from him. But all that's to say, okay, I, I got both programs going nine and three, which would be great. I think you would take that from both sides. I mean, I think Miami be happy with nine and three. I think Florida would be happy with nine and three. The thing that I want to stress is 9-3 and three in the ACC probably gets you more than it does in the SEC. Because for Florida, to win the East, you got to probably finish with one loss, assuming that Georgia kind of runs the table. So that's tough. However, 9-3 and three for Miami, I think if you do lose that game to A&M, if you do lose to Clemson, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you do lose to Clemson, you probably still find yourself in that ACC title game. So by nature of accolades, you say, okay, well, the Miami had the better season because they found themselves in the title game. Well, Florida had the same number of wins and losses as Miami, and they just happened to play in the toughest conference in the entire country. So if you're making me answer this question by nature of accomplishment, I would say Miami for getting to their conference title game, but for Florida to go nine and three in the sec in year one under billy napier and anthony richardson's really first year as the starting quarterback i think that's a great sign for both programs again we pull for florida state here i hope mike norvell figures it out i would absolutely love for all three of these programs to be firing at all cylinders and for them to just absolutely gladiator each other when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to the entire college football landscape i think that's great for the sport not saying it's bad for the sport when they're not, but I think it's better when you have all three of these programs on their game. 
All that's to say, by nature of accolades, we'll say Miami has the best 2022. But a lot of excitement in Florida. A lot of excitement around Billy Napier. Mr. Scare Money Don't Make No Money. That's got to be one of the coolest quotes. Not just in college football, but just ever. Like, that is big baller brand. So that's it for us here on The Hard Count. Again, we're on podcast. So if you're listening to us on the drive time to work, thank you. Would love to get a five-star review and a question so we can include you more into this show. And that really is, I think, the bottom line. Like, we say we're the people show. That's not just a fun tagline. I was doing this show not that long ago, a few months ago in, in Waco, Texas, on my lunch break of my 8 to 5 job. I was going in, knocking out a few videos, getting back to work before I had to start work again. So when I say the people show, like the only difference is I'm sitting up here with a mic. But we live, we breathe college football, and it's about that time of year where they finally get back to playing games, the talking dies down a little bit, and the pads start to do more of the talking. That's what this is about. So we thank you for subscribing to the channel in advance. Thank you for leaving a five-star review in advance. And let's get this thing rolling, boys and girls. Let's get this party started. Keep the party started. We're going to keep the party rolling regardless, and we will see y'all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.